Assalamu I'm just messing with y'all. Go ahead. What <laughs> can I say, man? Already. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, everybody. I hope you're all doing well, inshallah. Can you guys believe that Ramadan is literally right around the corner? A few months away. Get it's, out of here, bro. Like, it's coming up. Like, pe- okay, firstly, people need to start making up for their fasts and what they miss because it's coming up. Uh, sisters, brothers, if you miss any days fasting, you have to make it up before the next Ramadan comes before it's too late. But Ramadan is coming up and it feels like the last one just passed. It felt like the last two are AIDS in, the, in Ramadan. Like it, it just happened. And maybe it's a quarantine that's throwing me off. Um, but last Ramadan was in quarantine, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I even had that was my best Ramadan so far. Really? Really? Do you want to talk about that? Mm, I feel like just simply put, bro, being at home, being quarantined, being in lockdown, it gives you a lot of time to reflect yeah. and everyone's at home. Everyone's going crazy because of COVID. So either you guys all go crazy together or you work past it, really connect with Allah, detach from this dunya, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, subhanAllah. And that's the thing because fasting forces you to do that. Fasting makes you closer to Allah because in essence, you're detaching yourself from the world. And naturally, detaching yourself from the world will bring you closer to the afterlife, bring you closer to Allah. And this is one of the beautiful parts and aspects of fasting for the full month of Ramadan. Because not only are the gates of heaven closed, or the gates of heaven open and the gates of hell closed, um, but intrinsically, internally, when a person abstains from food, this has different physical and spiritual uh, benefits. For example, um, I mentioned in a few podcasts, a few podcasts ago, that uh, the Prophet he had a hadith qudsi, which means that he starts by saying Allah, the most high has said. So this is Allah saying that the most beloved acts of worship to me are the ones which I made obligatory, right? Including fasting and, and salah and stuff. And then Allah says, and then the servant continues to get closer and closer to me with voluntary acts of good until Allah begins to love them. And the rest of the hadith goes on. It's, it's very beautiful, mashallah, if you guys want to look it up. So the most beloved acts of worship is Fasting the month of Ramadan. One of the most beloved acts of worship is fasting the month of Ramadan. And Allah says there's there's basically, there's a hadith that says the one thing that a servant does for Allah alone, that's like that's for Allah and that's it, is fasting. It's fasting. And it's amazing because even fasting has so many benefits to it. Like you would think that if it's for Allah and like that's it, and Allah is going to reward you for it immensely, then like, okay, maybe there isn't much that we get out of it but no, there is so much we get out of it, which maybe is why Allah rewards us the most because there's so much khair in it. There's so much good in it, mashallah. For example, intrinsically, when you remove food, right? You create this sense of longing, right? I need this food. And you begin to think about the days when you had food and you were ungrateful for it. And the days where you maybe forgot to say bismillah and you forgot to end with alhamdulillah and you forgot, you even forgot Allah during the meal. You're, you're working, you're busy, you're eating eating the munchies, and then that's it, right? But during Ramadan, you can't eat. And it just, it makes you sympathetic towards the poor people. And it makes you grateful towards Allah. And it creates this feeling of this longing for Allah. And that's when, you know, reading the Quran comes in and, and praying the Salah on time comes in. And then Eid at the end when you celebrate, it's, Allah, it's amazing. It just creates this taqwa, this consciousness of Allah. And that is the state that every Muslim should strive towards getting to just being conscious of Allah constantly, which is why it's also sunnah to fast Mondays and Thursdays, the, the three white days of, of every month and so on and so forth. Hold up, hold up. I got a white girl question to ask. <laughs> What's up? Not even water? 
Not even water. Not even water. No. But the thing is, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, we wake up in the morning before uh, sunrise and we eat our breakfast then. And then we fast until sunset and then we have our dinner then and then we're good until the next, uh, a little bit before the next sunrise. Yeah, uh, before, before all you hippies come in, we don't fast for the whole month straight. Yeah. We have <laughs> eating windows and fasting windows, just like people that fast for fat loss. Yeah. And the spiritual connection, the spiritual uplifting you get from Ramadan is something that I can't, I can't personally can't do justice with, with like, with just words. It's something somebody has to experience, right? And there are videos out there, people who, there's this one lady who made a video fasting a certain amount of days uh, to get closer to God. And it has like 700,000 views or something like that. Uh, there are people out there that have this longing, right? And they see fasting as, as a means towards God. It's something that, that Moses did, something that Jesus did, peace be upon them. And it's something that's been kind of reiterated in the scripture throughout history. Fasting is just one of those, it's just one of those things, you know? So one of those acts of worship that not only is it amazing in, in the sense that, you know, God would love it if you have, you know, the right intentions, but it's amazing in the sense that it brings you closer to Allah, right? It creates that, that beautiful connection with Allah, um, it's kind of reminding yourself how dependent you are on Allah and everything he provides and how ungrateful you you've been this whole time. Cause imagine, you know, Allah is, is giving you all this stuff for years, for decades, for lifetimes. And you're not like, you don't even think about it. Right. You fast one day, one day and you can't handle it. And you're like, man, all those, all those days, all those years, those decades, I was, I was ungrateful. SubhanAllah. It's mind boggling, man. hundred mm-hmm, percent. And I always look at it like there's like three schools of thought, right? So the first one's when you you fully submit to Allah. You believe in God, in Allah. You believe in one God. You have Iman. And this is where you you kind of don't question things anymore. If Allah says something's good for you, you do it because Allah knows best. And Allah created you, so you don't even question it. So if Allah says fast, you got to fast. And this is a very good school of thought because once you form that Iman, provided you're able to do it, inshallah, everything you do is going to be right provided you take Allah's advice mm-hmm. and you're kind of protected from shaitan, jinn and all that. Now there's a second school of thought, which is like, okay, I don't fully believe in Islam. I don't fully like, I don't feel that yet, but if I had to pick one religion, I'm going to pick Islam. Like if there had to be one, Islam makes the most sense, logically speaking. Mm-hmm. And if you had this school of thought, inshallah, what we're going to do today is give you level two type advice, which is on talking about scientific literature, clinical studies to kind of reaffirm why physiologically and psychologically speaking, fasting and specifically dry fasting, which we do in Ramadan is extremely beneficial to our soul, our body, our mental health, our cognition, everything, the whole nine. But again, the best school of the best mode of action is to, is to do level one, which is Allah told you to do it. So just believe Allah. But if you're not there yet, again, that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to replace deen with science, but we're using science to re- reaffirm and reinforce the deen. All right. And then with that being said, it goes without saying the, the third school of thought is just people that aren't even there yet with Islam, let alone just believing in like full feeling iman. So with these people, again, just, just keep doing you. Uh, I'm going to give you advice that, I, you know, on how always preaches, just be in a very receptive state to be led by. And if you're being present, you should be led to God, inshallah. Inshallah, beautiful reminder. Mm-hmm. Y'all got anything to say before uh, we go in? Angel, are you excited for the first Ramadan of your life? 
Yeah, dude. Um, I was actually thinking, and I had all these like random thoughts of like, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll do Ramadan next year because I'm I'm so new and all this stuff. But it's like, bro, if if I put it off, I'm just gonna keep putting it off. Like, but even even Habib, professional, professional MMA athlete at the top of the the field, still did Ramadan. And he put off all fights. He, I think he's still trained, but he obviously trained uh, accordingly. Yeah. But um, like he he stepped down to do Ramadan, and I like that stood out to me. While I was like, all right, yeah, I gotta, I gotta put my my desires and my ego aside here. Yeah, mashallah, mashallah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it's this fear of other things that gets in the way of people. And just a side note before we dive into, you know, fasting, but people got to realize when you put your trust into Allah, all your trust, I'm talking about put all your eggs in this basket, everything else falls into place. Because there's people here like, oh, I don't, I don't have time to pray. I got an exam coming up. So I'm only going to study or I'm, I do MMA, bro. So I got to fight. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. have time to pray. I don't have time to fast. Uh, If I do that, it's going to pull me away from my purpose, which is fasting and all that. But they fail to realize that if you trust in Allah and Allah has your back, oh, this dunya is going to be at your feet. Allah created everything here. So, so what do you, why are you putting off Allah for dunya things? Yeah. Yeah. Has anybody ever lost from trusting in Allah and doing what, what he says? Has anybody ever lost anything? No. No. People lost by not listening to Allah and his commandments? Hell yeah, I have myself. So... I mean, that goes- I have, you have, everyone has, bro. Yeah. Um, Iblis, bro. Major L. Yeah, yeah, big L. Anyway, before we go in, guys, quick disclaimer, this is not to be interpreted or to replace any medical advice. See a physician, see a healthcare provider if you're considering doing any type of fasting, including Ramadan, if you feel like you're physically unfit. With that being said, let's go straight in. Um. I got a quick question for Angel, though, because you used to be a personal trainer. I'm a personal trainer. So I know some of the language that I'm about to speak is not going to be foreign to you. It might be a little bit to Rami. Uh, unless he's been getting in that intermittent fasting, boy, then it's, it's not going to be foreign to you. But, bro, what is intermittent fasting? It's basically you have a, an eating window, which means you have a set amount of time that you eat. And then the rest of the time you are not eating. You can drink water or you can not drink water if you're trying to do the dry fasting. But, you know, if, in normal terms, what people usually do for intermittent fasting is they'll do a 16-8 protocol where they'll fast for 16 hours. Obviously, they're sleeping anywhere from six to eight of those hours. And then they have eight hours where they eat, where it's like they would eat their first meal at 12 and then 6 p.m. will be the cutoff. Actually, no, I take that back. Um, 8 p.m. will be the cutoff here. That would be eight hours. Mm-hmm. Or if you do 10 o'clock, then it would be 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. It's Simply. really as simple. It's, it's as simple as that, to be honest. thousand percent, bro. And I know these people got to realize we're not shaving off our calories. If you eat 2,000 calories per day, all you do during intermittent fasting is squish in those 2,000 in your eating window of eight hours. It doesn't mean you're eating less per se. But there's a lot of benefits we're going to talk about. Like, I think it boosts your human growth hormone by like 400%, testosterone by 200%. So you're eating the same. It just, there's a limited window now. All right. So 
first thing I want to get out there, I want to, I want to kind of, you know, Anhel talked about it a bit. Let me, let me kind of clarify. There are two types of fasting. There's wet fasting and dry fasting, right? He talked about dry fasting when he said you could do it if you don't want to drink, drink water. And it is harder. I'm not going to lie. You might feel a little dehydrated the first couple of days. So be on the lookout for that. Maybe, you know, use some salt in your water, put some pink salt in that. Uh, it'll help you stay hydrated. But essentially dry fasting is Ramadan style fasting. Dry fasting is just instead of what he said, the 16-8, which is 16 hours a day fasting, you could still drink water in that time and the eight hours of eating and drinking water. You basically go the whole 16 hours plus. So it's up to some people have done it for four or five days um, where you literally just don't drink water at all. And what, you, what, what happens to your body when you stop drinking water and you do dry fasting is you enter the state called autophagy. Rami, have you heard about that or no? All right. So we got, we got cells in our body, millions, billions, trillions. We got cells in our body. And what these cells do is they're constantly replicating, right? They're constantly dividing and that's how we stay alive. We got some cells that have been part of us for months, if not years. And we got some cells that are regenerated every day, right? What I'm trying to say with this is we have a finite number of cells though. Yeah, they're always dividing, but we don't, we don't get more. And a lot of that could be dead weight, all right? A lot of it could be just old cells that are toxic, not really functioning as well. What autophagy does, the state I talked about, which you enter when you do dry fasting, is you enter a state where you literally kill off all the weakest cells in your body and you literally recreate new cells and you replenish them. So it's almost like, and guys, this is, this is phenomenal because 1400 years ago, nobody knew about this, but what dry fasting is, is all the cells we have in our body that are not functioning the best. So it could be weak nerve cells. If you got weak nerve cells, it's just going to affect your cognition. Weak muscle cells affect your, your physique. Maybe you have more uh, fat composition. You got weak digestive cells. You're probably not going to you know, digest the best type of foods as efficiently. So if you essentially kill off all of the weakest cells, it's like survival of the fittest, right? And then only the strong cells survive. And if only the strong cells survive, they're going to now divide and replicate to be just like them and create copies that are only superior. So it's essentially taking the only good cells you have in your body and making that 100% of your cells and killing off the worst ones. All right. So it's basically like an immune system, nervous system, muscular system reset in a way. All right. So... There's been a lot of studies, guys. I will link them all in the description box down below. But the first thing I want to talk about, and we'll go step by step. So I'll say one or two of these points, and then I want to hear out your thoughts, what you guys have to say about that, all right? So the first thing, bismillah, is decrease in psychological stress. So that would be anxiety and physiological stress, which would be cortisol. Have you guys had any experience with that? What do you guys think? With stress? Yes, I have with with the effects of it bro repeat the question. decreased Re repeat question i'm gonna tell statement. you guys i'm gonna tell you guys findings from the studies okay from dry fasting and ramadan and i basically want you guys to tell me if you could relate to any of these if you've had any experiences if you haven't not just with the symptoms that i say so the first one is decrease in psychological stress which is just anxiety and physiological stress, which is like the physical cortisol stress hormone. I would say 100%, especially recently. Okay, what about you? Could you use it in a sentence? Uh, yeah. I'm messing with you, bro. I'm messing with you. I'm not gay. But <laughs> um, yes, of course. 
have you had any any experience with that during dry fasting? Uh, you talking about the anxiety and all that and the stress? Decreased anxiety, decreased stress. Yeah, I've never like I've never done dry fasting where it's like, oh, okay, I'm doing dry fasting where I'm like sitting out to do it, but I've done it unknowingly, and it's crazy. Hundred percent, man. I've done dry fasting, water fasting. Water fasting is basically when you don't eat for three to five days and you just drink water. Mm-hmm. And I still do this thing called intermittent fasting, which is the sixteen eight that he talked about, and I do that every day. All right, next thing I want to say is, dry fasting kills all of our weak cells, which we already talked about. You have a decrease in blood glucose, blood lipids, and increase in insulin sensitivity. Now, a lot of big terms here. Anhel, what could you say simply about insulin sensitivity? Ooh, boy. Hold up now. All right, so insulin. We all have insulin. We eat food. We release insulin. What insulin's purpose is, it removes excessive amounts of sugar that are in your bloodstream. No matter what you eat, even if it's fat or protein, it is still releasing a certain amount of sugar. It's still converting to a certain amount of sugar. So a certain amount of... uh glucose that's what it's actually released into glucose a certain amount of glucose is going to be uh, released into your bloodstream and the insulin literally it's released i want to say bro correct me if i'm wrong by your pancreas and the pancreas releases the insulin to be able to remove any extra amount of glucose any extra amount of sugar that you have in your bloodstream because if you have too much a lot of bad things can start happening. That's the problem with um, diabetics is that they have way too much sugar in their bloodstreams. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point where they got to inject exogenous forms of insulin because yes. the body can't produce it either because of a resistance or they can't produce enough from a defect. But insulin, guys, simply put, just like he said, he said it best, it basically soaks up all the carbs and all the sugar from your body and delivers it into your liver for glyc- glycogen storage or to your muscle cells. Now, like he also said, the reason we don't want sugar just floating all about freely in your blood vessels is because sugar is inflammatory and lingering in there too long will lead to you essentially attacking your own blood vessels, which is not good. Very true. All right. So one more thing that we already talked about before I said that is decrease in blood glucose and blood lipids. So again, all good things. Next thing is increase in testosterone and human growth hormone. We already talked about that. Increase in physical and emotional well-being. We talked about that increased response to injury to skin so this could be chemical it could be allergens irritants and rapid wound healing what are your thoughts on that Hmm. um okay i will say that the first time that i went into a fast which was a water fast actually i take that back because i did do fasting before that um but the first legitimate legitimate fast where i was like all right i'm gonna do a water fast i remember i had a lower back injury herniated disc and it's always kind of acting up every now and then but when i did that water fast man like it, it healed pretty quick phenomenal bro rami anything you gotta say i mean i've never really been i don't know i've never really like taken the time to observe these things like oh after i fasted you know, this, this, and that happened, right? Because it's been a part mm-hmm. of my life, like my entire life. So it's never really been, you know, 
something I would observe. I got a question then. Yeah. What about your broken heart? My broken heart. Um, honestly, fasting, I think anything that connects you to Allah removes you, or anything that yeah connects you to Allah removes you from the dunya. A broken heart is a part of this dunya. So fasting, getting close to Allah would remove that from you uh, inevitably. That's the one thing that, you know, I use and that many people use when they go through a hardship is just the connection with Allah. Well, I feel so bad for people who don't have that because like, what, what do they have to latch on to? Right. 100% man. Talk about short-term gratification and stuff, but um, <laughs> fasting, yes, for a broken heart, phenomenal. Phenomenal, man. You guys had heard it here first. Rami Al-Khalil gave you that five out of five rating. Uh, thank you for that, brother. But he is right, guys. All, all these damn jokes aside, fasting is a remedy. It prevents you from fascia, which is guilt, which is just filth and, and just, just dirt and just sins in general, inshallah. And there was a, there was a hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu said, uh, to, to talking to the youngsters, to the youth, any of you that can support a wife, get married. And if you can't support a wife, fast. For fasting diminishes sexual power. And the term that they use in the hadith in Arabic, they're not talking about diminishes and decreases the, or like, you know, kind of lowers your, your you know, drive. Not nah. The term they use, if you, if you want to translate it to English, the actual translation is castration. It's as if you've been castrated. That's how much you literally feel like you're not going to feel that that sexual drive anymore. Yeah, anyway, carrying on. Uh, subhanAllah. So increased response to overall infections and pathogens. Guys, we already talked about this before. Uh, you basically kill off your weaker cells. So let's talk about immune cells. Only the strongest immune cells that you have survive. So basically your immune system is going to be on 10. Um, heightened resistance to cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. Increased lifespan and counteracting aging. Any thoughts on that? Counteracting aging, mashallah. Mm-hmm. As I feel like I feel like that's a big one for a lot of people. A lot of people when they get old, they just they lose it. You know what I mean? Hundred percent, man. Fourteen hundred years ago, there was also a hadith where the Prophet said, uh, "You know, to there was this guy laying uh, laying on his stomach somewhere." I don't know if you know about that, but the, the Prophet went and, you know, he was kind of like just nudging his face and trying to get him up. And he woke up and he's like, don't sleep like that. Allah hates that position. And the guy was just kind of like confused. Like, and a lot of people might be confused. Why? And at the end of the day, like 1400 years ago, nobody understood it, but they, they, they submit to that. They listen to that because they knew that Allah didn't like it. Now in class, we're talking about spinal mechanics and spinal surgery. And it's crazy how you literally learned that the position of sleeping that puts you in the most compromised state of your spinal health. I'm talking about disc bulges. I'm talking about disc slips and all that. It's going to be sleeping on your stomach. And what's crazy is I had this issue personally where I would sleep on my stomach all the time. And I woke up with neck pain and back pain. And it's just crazy, man. But Allah said the best. All right, next one I want to talk about is overall decrease in inflammation, arthritis, and mobility issues. Any experience with that? Yes. I've never really had issues with that personally, to be honest. I had tendonitis in my right forearm. And I remember um, I had done another water fast and literally like it didn't heal 100%, but I'd say it healed close to about like 70 to 80% in a few days. So subhanAllah, it's, it's incredible what fasting does to the body. Mm-hmm. 100% man. 
uh, could be attributed to the lack of blood sugar in your body because now we know, you know, inflammation is caused by sugar and you're kind of lowering your blood glucose through dry fasting. But again, that's just my causality. It might be, might not be. Next thing is dramatic decrease in body weight, body fat percentage, and in, improved body composition. Any experience with that? I don't know. I, I don't know if I could actually give, like, a personal experience. I know when I did any form of fasting, like, I would flush out all the water and I would just look ridiculously lean. And in terms of, like, muscle mass proportion to fat, it would be greater muscle mass and, and less fat as to what I could see, but I've never done like a DEXA scan or anything like that where it said like, oh, okay, well, here's the difference, you know? I agree, man. And like logically speaking, rationally speaking, it makes sense because your human growth hormone and testosterone is through the roof. So body recomposition, body fat, just flushing out, same with water, it makes sense. Rami, you got any experience with that? I've been skinny my whole life, man. You've been skinny your whole life. Try to your first. Um, next one is going to be no adverse effect for cardiovascular and respiratory system. So this was a meta-analysis where they talked about people being like, okay, I don't want to fast because what if it harms me? What if it's dangerous? Because again, these are people that are postmodern, you know, today's men and women. And they're out here, you know, we live in a world where Uber Eats is available in five minutes, you get a pizza, you do it. So they don't realize that back then or in nature, in the wild, they don't have that, bro. They don't have food delivery just ready at their fingertips. What they got to do is they got to go through periods of time, prolonged periods of time where they got to be in hunting mode and because they don't have food, right? So in this period of time, they got to go out here, scout and get that food. When they do finally get that food after that three, four day mark, then they got food for like a couple of days. All right. This is when they're kind of, you know, chilling, they're good. They eat that meal, they relax, they rest, they recover, and then they go back to that. So it kind of makes sense how like in nature, those hardwired things are still in our body, the way that Allah designed us, subhanAllah. Because when we go into that fasting state, it's almost like we're in that hunting state. Because I know personally speaking, cognition, focus, alertness, productivity, all those things go up in your fasting window, at least in the beginning, compared to when you're, when you're eating all day. Mm-hmm. You guys got any experience with that? Yeah, and, and technically speaking, all right. If someone were to eat in abundance and, you know, in um, in personal training or just in bodybuilding or in fitness in general, it's, it's referred to as caloric intake. So like someone could be eating 2,500 calories a day. Another person could be eating 3,000 calories a day. That would be your, uh, we'll call it maintenance level. You would eat that much to maintain what you have, like your body weight composition, all that good stuff. All right, but like if you ate a surplus, like let's say 500 or 1,000 calories over that maintenance, you're probably going to put on some fat, maybe a little bit of muscle if you're training, but probably more fat than muscle. All right, now if, if you were to include several days in the week or even one day in the week where you're just fasting completely, like you don't even eat that day, that would be the same as you eating maintenance every single day but now the days where you do eat you are able to eat and i'm not gonna say anything you want because it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that but you can eat in excess and not have to worry about like gaining weight because like technically 
at the end of the week, the amount of calories you're getting in is still equal to the amount you'd be getting in if you were eating at maintenance every single day. So it, it gets pretty interesting the more you get into it. 100%, man, 100%. That was a good point. Um, next thing, and guys, based on this, all we're trying to say is this is to like reaffirm the person that is growing up in this kind of soft world where they got food every now and then, they got snacks, they got eight different meals all day, uh, delivery on deck, Postmates, you name it. So back then we didn't have that. We were, we were hunters. We didn't have food at our disposal. Even if we're not talking about like, you know, homo sapiens and like before that, even if we're not talking about that, even if we're talking about just early primitive modern humans, right? Not the 2020, I'm talking about centuries ago, thousands of years ago right? We still didn't have food at our fingertips. We had to still hunt. We had to ration. We had to forage. So because of that, it makes sense that we're not naturally supposed to be in a state where we're eating 24-7, all right? All right, next thing I want to say is because of that, fasting has been proven to have no adverse effect on cardiovascular and respiratory systems, contrary to people that might be worrying about that. No adverse effect on hematologic profiles and endocrine and neuropsychiatric functions. So you're not going to have anything wrong with these things for people that are wondering. And I remember like when I was in high school, I was like, I had this, uh, I had this course, organic chemistry in, uh, in grade 12 chem. It was like a, a unit in that. And it was like, people were struggling with that, man. Like everyone was scared. scared. It was the first time we did orgo in our life. Little did I know I do like years of that after that in uni. But again, besides the point, crazy and people were losing their minds. Now, did you say on, that was the, the first time y'all did oral? Orgo, orgo. Orgo, okay, go ahead. It was it was kind of oral, bro, because some people just got their got their bottoms handed to them, bro, in that final. But uh, anyway, with that being said, when we did this course, it was Ramadan. And here I'm thinking, I've always fasted in the summer, but you know how the days it, it gets pushed back twenty days, or it comes it comes uh pushed back twenty days every year, something like that, right? So if it's May twentieth this year. I think next year it'll start like 20 days ish before. And it just, that's just how, how it goes on because the Islamic calendar is not the, the lunar calendar. And when Ramadan hit, just give me a sec. Yeah, can y'all see me now? I got a random call, bro, from Slovakia. I don't even know where that is. Bro, don't, don't play, bro. You know your girl just called you. Nah, you playing, you, you bugging out, bro. And I don't even know where Slovakia is. Whoever the whoever just called, they called. I didn't even click the client. They just they just hung up. So you're lost, whatever. Um. Anyway, as we're saying, uh, what was I talking about? Remind me. Orgo. I don't remember. Okay. Honestly, so we're talking we're talking about Orgo, and it's Ramadan now. Used to be in the summer, but now it's kind of towards the last month of of the year, and we're here like, damn, bro. Like, I got I got to study. You know, these are these are some hard exams, and you could also fast and kind of put your faith in Allah. And bro, I realized I got this far only with Allah. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to fast. Yeah, I got to study during the fast. I don't know how it's going to be. But, bro, and I'm not saying this to, like, boost myself or toot my own horn, but I was getting, like, 95s in high school in my final year. And in every single organic chem midterm, I got 100%. Like, I got perfect in all of them. I didn't even miss one mark on all of them and i remember fasting like thirsty like literally like struggling for allah's cause 
and literally like during lunch hour when everyone would eat i would go home so i'd run all the way home just to like study right just to get my extra like you know repetition memorization you know get everything done come back to school and then just perform and subhanallah bro this was all allah 100 so also brings me to my next point where um you have higher than non-fasting psychomotor function visual attention visual learning memory and sleep quality all right so these were the findings for cognition so it's not really a bad thing guys to uh do ramadan now last thing i want to say cognitive uh contrary to you know normal people's belief Ramadan fasting has only been shown to mildly influence the immune system in those who are already altered. So it's not going to get too much worse, but most people it gets better. Ramadan fasting during the second trimester of pregnancy was also shown to be safe and did not result in negative fetal outcomes. Contrary to anyone that might be wondering, should I fast? Um, but again, obviously talk to your gynecologist and all that. Don't just take this advice. Um, and there's no maternal oxidative status alterations as well. just to get that out there in cardiac benefits ramadan fasting only had beneficial effects including lipid profile improvement and alleviation of oxidative stress oxidative stress we we talked about it also leads to cancer so less of that is obviously good in asthmatic patients and those with immunodeficiencies in their immune system and their respiratory system are good things and in psychiatric patients are good things including schizophrenia so i don't know why anyone would not fast subhanallah That is like overwhelmingly amazing. Like overwhelmingly amazing. Subhanallah. Yeah, man. Link in description for anyone that wants to read more on this. Subhanallah. That's amazing. I feel like anyone who doesn't fast after this must severely like dislike themselves. Mm-hmm. How do you hear of all these amazing spiritual and, and, and even if you don't believe in like a spirit or spiritual side, um, all these uh, mental and, and physical benefits and not want to fast afterwards. Like it's, subhanallah it's crazy excuses they don't fast more, you know yeah, you guys don't have to like overwhelm yourself like guys there's yeah it might you know come up end of january or february this podcast episode but it'll be what three months two to three months till ramadan so that gives you guys enough time if you haven't fasted before you don't want to fast or you think there's some health risks you don't want to do dry fasting do water fasting or like wet fasting all that is is you basically eat but you don't eat anytime you have that limited eating window like on how talked about maybe from 12 p.m to 8 p.m every single day that's you're allowed to eat that's it out of those hours you're sleeping fasting nothing else all right you can drink water but don't eat food all right once you get good with that doing it every now and then you can even start it once a week then you can do the fast of daud alayhi salam which daud alayhi salam would fast every other day all right and You guys have to like clarify the next thing that I'm about to say. I don't know if it's like 100%, but it's known that the Prophet Sallallahu apparently, so that's what I'm saying you guys got to like check this out, said that do not fast on Friday unless you are fasting the day before and the day after. That's why, you know, you would fast Thursday. Only fast Friday if you're fasting on Thursday and Saturday. That's basically what that means. So, guys, fast more slowly once you get used to that, start fasting every day. If you could do intermittent fasting then start dry fast. Go at least the first day, couple hours after you after you wake up without water. Then the next day go to let's say 1 1 p.m. Then 2 p.m., then 3 p.m. Over time you'll realize you're making it to like 4 or 5 6 p.m. without drinking water and you're fine. All right? 
don't take what I'm saying now and just then go to sleep after. That limited time that you do have to drink water, get your daily supply in. But what you'll realize is it's almost Maghrib time, which is when we break our fast, and you haven't drink, drank, drank any water, and it's fine, and you're alive, and you're healthy. So once you get that baby step in, self-improvement happens in, uh, happens in steps. I think one of the GOATs said that. Allah. One thing I want to mention is uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he actually said, don't do the fasting of Dawood because he was a prophet of Allah. That's why, that's why he did that. Uh, but we're instructed not to not to do that. But uh, the Prophet ﷺ, like we mentioned, he fasted Mondays and Thursdays and the three white days of every month, which I believe is like the 14th, 15th, 16th or something like that every month. But like, look, look it up, look it up. Mm-hmm. Yo, quick question. What time do you guys think we started recording? Time is it right now? It's 5.01 right now. Yeah, what time do you guys think we started recording? Uh, can you send the link? I you sent know. it at 4.22, so around 4.30. Around 4.30. Yeah. Damn, bro, 30 minutes and we already got this much done. Not even 30, bro, it feels like two hours, man. I'm getting like lecture know. vibes from this one. What else? <laughs> there's like a lot. What else you guys have to talk about if there's anything you want to share? There was one point that I forgot to mention about the spiritual aspect. It does tie in with the the um, physical aspect of it or a naturalistic uh, aspect of it. But uh, about the hadith you referred to with the, about the Prophet where he said that um, fasting kind of diminishes like desires or sexual drive. Um that's another spiritual aspect, right? And naturalistically, if you could look, at, if you could look at it in this sense, um, we have uh, you guys know like the pyramid of things that humans, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, the first one, or one of the ones at the top, would be uh, food, nutrition, survival, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And under that would be the sexual drive, uh, procreation, recreation, all that stuff, right? And if you're not getting what's at the top, your body's going to stay stuck on there. You're going to be focused on eating, getting food and all that. Just not the bottom. Cause it's like the base foundation. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, Cause you, you basically work from bottom up in the hierarchy of needs. So you start at the bottom with the basic physiological ones that you're talking about. Okay. That makes sense. So what's at the top then? Self-actualization. That's like, that's oh. like the highest things. Like you don't do those unless you're doing what you said, basically like you're making sure the lower level needs are met. Yeah, okay. The lower level needs are like the basic, you know, bread and butter. Okay, thank you, thank you. So yes, at the bottom then would be um, things like food, uh, survival, all that stuff. And then above that would be uh, the sexual drive and, and you know, uh, getting your um, kind of procreation out there, right? Getting your rocks off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the I think the term is called. I think the term is called love and belongingness. But basically same thing. Yeah, yeah. So better, than saying, talk- better than saying getting your rocks off. Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, Rami. <laughs> My bad. I'll be more modest, inshallah. But um, so if you're stuck at the bottom, right, you're, you're not going to be able to work your way up. If you're stuck on not having food or drink and you eat that, your body's going to focus on that before it's like, okay, let's go. Um, I was going to use the term again. I'm not going to use it. Yeah, let's go procreate. I want you to say copulate. What? Copulate. Copulate. What does that mean? Google it up, bro. Right. I want you to I want you to Google the definition and read it out to us. All right. <clears throat> this is for educational purposes. This is for educational purposes, yo. Do not hold me accountable. This is all Anha, bro. This this word is from Anha. 
right. You guys ready? I don't think I've ever said it. (laughs) All right. It's a verb, right? This is the Oxford uh, definition. And it means to have sexual intercourse. And yeah, but doesn't it doesn't it sound yeah, so like grimy, bro? There's more. There's more. Only the dominant male copulates with the. <laughs> mm. Only the doms, man. That's why I talked about it, man. Like, don't say. <laughs> you about, you about to make me primal scream, bro. 100%. Yo, is your mom home? She's home, bro. Ah, uh, damn, guys, you won't be able to see it then. Maybe on a Patreon exclusive. $50 a month they hear this guy scream. <laughs> That's the next tier. That's not all they get. They get the OnlyFans from Fire <laughs> and they get the SoundCloud from Lil Queasy. Lil Queasy, yeah, facts. Mm. <laughs> Guys, don't miss out, man. One life. <laughs> all right, next thing I want to talk about is the actual thing of how we fast and how we can optimize the two meals that we have. Now, the two meals that we have aren't limited to the only two that we have during Ramadan, but they're primarily the two meals that we, as in the Islamic tradition, we practice, all right? So the first one is iftar. So iftar is the meal that we break our fast with, all right? It happens as soon as Maghrib is done. Matter of fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, put food in your mouth before you come pray, for if you come and pray first, your mind's going to be on food and you're not going to be present. So this is when you want to, you know, take that sip, what I usually do for iftar is I usually have like dates because the Prophet ﷺ broke his fast with dates and I drink some water or some juice, anything just to rehydrate myself, not too heavy. And then I go pray salah because I still want to pray on time. After that, I come and then I, I eat properly. You get what I mean? Like I go in with iftar. Iftar, usually I eat something super high glycemic, which is just really carby. It'll get absorbed by your body fast. And I have some protein with that. I try to limit my fat and then, you know, get the water in through the night. Now, the second meal I want to talk about in the Islamic tradition is suhoor or seri. So suhoor is the meal we eat before we start the fast. So this is right before Fajr. Once it's Fajr, you cannot eat or drink anymore until Maghrib. So for suhoor, what I usually typically eat is something high fat and high protein. Something like steak. Growing up, you might have had, uh, you know, some nice rice and some biryani and some nice stuff like that on, on, the, on the table, bro. But that's going to make you feel really hungry. You're going to wake up with acid reflux. You're going to feel that, that stinging, that burning sensation. You're not going to make it through the day. But if you're having something slow digesting like steak, which takes hours to digest, or oh, you're going to be fine. So that's what I typically do for suhoor. These are the two main meals. You can obviously eat in between that. In terms of the sleep schedule, too. I've had a pretty interesting experience whenever it's Ramadan. I basically stay up till Fajr and I wake up around the hard time, right? Which is, again, it kind of gets in the way. But if I have work or school or something like that, then I kind of have to like modify it with it. But again, Allah comes first. Everything else follows naturally. Yeah, let me just chime in and say that uh, the heartburn, the acid reflux, that varies from person to person. But what you are saying about if you're eating like a whole bunch of carbs for your meal, then when you are fasting, you're going to feel like trash because your body is going to, in short, like in the most simplistic terms, your body is going to use up all the carbs real quick. And then you're going to be left uh, in a state where your body's trying to switch from using glucose as energy to using ketones as energy using your fat as energy 
And like, it, it's your body's very efficient. Your body will do it. But it's like, if you're not used to it, then you actually have to go through that process. And uh, not only psychologically speaking, but physiologically speaking, it is very tough on you. Um, so if someone wants to ease in to this transition, um, ease into fasting, they could definitely start a keto-based way of eating before the fasting. And that way they'll notice when they are in the fasting window, they're not going to feel that terrible. Mm -hmm. Just something to keep in mind. 100% man, all value. I personally recommend all my clients and anyone doing Ramadan for the first time not to do ketosis during Ramadan because keto already makes you naturally more dehydrated because of the lack of water. You're going to flush out all the water anyway. Mm -hmm. So for you to go that into dry fasting, most people might be a little symptomatic with that. So that's why I kind of recommend the carb backloading approach, which is super carb up during the iftar when you're already insulin sensitive and you're fine with the carbs, but then kind of go into a little more keto type of meal, like Anhal said, for suhoor, because one, the two biggest precursors of acid reflux, which is basically that that feeling you have when you feel like you have gas and you're kind of really hungry and that stinging sensation. One, you have it when you eat and go to sleep. What are people doing? They eat suhoor, they pray fajr, go right back to sleep, right? Second thing, they're eating a whole bunch of carbs. And again, carbs are going to cause acid reflux because like Anhel said, you're eating carbs so much to the point where your body almost expects it. Then you go into deprivation for a couple hours and your body's going to still expect those carbs. So what is it still doing? It's still creating those digestive enzymes. And that's going to decrease the pH of your stomach, increase the acidity, but you're not giving the food. So it's just going to keep doing that. And then you're going to get really hungry, bro. Yeah, that's why I said like you would do the keto before the fasting. Because it takes your body about like four to six weeks to actually adapt. Mm -hmm. So if someone were to adapt and then do the fast, well, then they wouldn't have the dehydration issues. But if they would start keto right around the same time that they're about to fast, ooh, they in for a hard time, bro. Mm -hmm. But most, most people that I know that are Muslim, they've been fasting since they were like damn near 12, maybe even earlier. So for us, it would be almost second nature. For new reverts, yeah, it is something that you guys want to definitely be mindful of. There's one thing I wanted to add. Um, maybe, I don't know if, if I missed it. Did you say that you wake up around like the afternoon time or is this a nap? No, I sleep from Fajr to Dahar, bro. Okay, okay. Yeah, because the, the Prophet said him, uh, what he would usually do um, rather, regardless of whether it was Ramadan or not, uh, he would uh, he would wake up at Fajr. He would stay up. He would take a nap at Duhur, and then he would he would wake up for maybe I don't know ten minutes later, something like that, and he would mm-hmm. stay up the rest of the day. So that's, that's but I'm the- pretty sure he got most of his sleep in before Fajr. Yeah, I'm not I'm not getting any sleep. You're not getting any. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I stay up till Fajr. I sleep after Fajr, that's and I cool. wake up at Duhur. That's just what works for me. Mufti Mank does the same thing. But again, that being said, it's not something that's advisable for me, myself included, when I'm doing something like work or I have like, you know, school or something like that. This is just like, I'm talking about this COVID season. I did that because it's just what worked for me. That's fair. That's fair. And it helped me to get my, before you go on, it helped me to also get in my two to three liters of water during my window. Because imagine I just have iftar, which is the meal after Maghrib. How much water could you drink? One to two glasses and then go to sleep. Yeah. How much water could you drink at Fajr? One or two glasses? That's 
two to four glasses maximum. Mm. Whereas for me, my whole eating window, like on how terms it, was from Maghrib until Fajr. So that whole 8, 9 p.m. to 4, 5 a.m., all I was doing is just getting in water and food. Okay, I see. Yeah. And also like, training. You trained at the time too? Yeah, I trained at the time, but mostly I would train right before Maghrib, which okay. is literally the time people are just drained. Yeah, they fasted yeah. the whole day. They feel diminished. Mm-hmm. And that's when I did it, bro, because I further improved my insulin sensitivity, which happens when you weight train. And then I just ate. So I'm literally like, that's a bodybuilding meal right there, bro. This man is trying to max out. <laughs> Thousand percent, bro. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because back then they can only do the work during the day when the sun is out. 100%, man, 100%. They, they didn't do the, you know, remote work at home. They open up yeah, the laptop. There was, there was no electricity and all that. Yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. I mean, it was a blessing in disguise because no electricity, no phones means when the sun is down, you're down. Yeah. And that's nice. naturally aligned with our circadian rhythm. Yeah. SubhanAllah. All right, man. I say we cut it off here. You yeah. all got anything else to say? I need to fix my sleeping schedule. <laughs> that's we, gotta, sure. we, got, we all got something to fix, man. Yeah. All uh, good in this video is from Allah and the Messenger Salam. All bad is from us and Shaitan. Yes. That being said, Rami, you got something to say? Um, get those fasts in, ladies and gents. Ramadan is coming up. Don't sleep on it. Um, we just talked about how beneficial it is. So, if if, if the spiritual side isn't enough for you, there are uh, physiological benefits. There are even psychological benefits. The full, like you, like the full spectrum. Mashallah. There's no going wrong with this unless you have pre-existing health issues. Again, go see specialists about that. But I, that's all. That's it for me. If you guys have anything to add before we close out yeah let me just add this in here and i'm not trying to be funny all right because bet you anyone watching like oh this man about to say some some goofy but uh if you guys actually looking to dry fasting there's this dude on youtube his name is uh i think cole robinson i might be messing up his last name but he's the inventor of this thing called the snake diet have you guys ever heard of that Mm-hmm. right so in this in the snake diet he basically talks about dry fasting and like at first he was only talking about fasting but then this man got on to dry fasting how he was like he i think he did like seven seven days of dry fasting like no water no food seven days straight so like a little bit more intense than what would be done in ramadan because obviously in ramadan you're eating but this man did like seven, I think seven days, maybe it might be less. I'm not recalling hundred percent. And like, he was over here like touting the benefits and he was just saying his experience and all of this good stuff. So again, like Rami said, if you're not doing it for the spiritual side and like get into it for the physical aspects, but yo, spiritual is the most important at some point or another, you're going to come to know that. Yeah, that's facts. SubhanAllah. But physicality is important too like on like rami always says like allah trusted us with these bodies mm-hmm. so we can't oh, be yeah. out here doing it at the service because yeah, it's sure. sunnah bro for there's sure. narrations of the prophet descriptions of how he looked he had an aesthetic physique guys most of really? our uncles and fathers and yeah bro don't even get me started on that most of, of, of the people we got in our family or the people we have like uncles and grandfathers they be got in the dad bods they be they be getting these uh unhealthy foods in 
not drinking enough water, not exercising, bro. Prophetic times, the Sahaba, they, these were not weak people. Yeah. Mentally or physically, they looked like dumbs and they were dumbs. They weren't out here just kind of like, you know, soft and eating and whatever and not really focusing on the health. The Prophet ﷺ had an aesthetic physique. He had a good build. So let me ask you all something. Mm-hmm. Why do y'all think that a lot of the uh, religious people, the imams, the sheikhs, um, religious people in general, yeah. why do you think a lot of them are out of shape? No idea. I feel like so it's, it's a very vast majority of them. It's not like one or two here and there. It's like it's almost all of them, to be honest. Yeah, with you was, guys. that's my point, bro. It's it's believe it or not, it's social conditioning. It's not imams in general. If you go to a church, you'll see pastors like that too. You go, oh, yeah, you'll, see, sure. you'll see rabbis like that too. I'm talking about the average man and woman today. Yeah, social conditioning and programming cultivates this false sense of acceptance and body positivity in this veil under the true motive of unhealthy uh, body weights, obesity, CVD, whatever you want to call it, bro. Society is putting it out there that there is no consequence to apathy and looking like trash. And that needs to stop, bro. Because at Mm -hmm. some point, health is going to catch up with you. But aside aside from social conditioning, do y'all feel like it might be some like mental thing as well where it's like the person might say ah well this is dunya this is a test you know how i look doesn't really matter at the end of the day or like they might just be comfortable because ah well you know i'm married and my wife is uh is is more she's she's part of the dean she's very religious so she cares more about that. She We put God first, so it doesn't matter how I look at the end of the day. Mm, I agree, but at the end of the day, Allah talks about finding that happy medium where you don't go too much on the one side or one extreme of something, which mm-hmm. is just like over fanatics of Islam. Yeah. There's a difference between properly being a Muslim and being a fanatic and extremist. So I'm talking about that and then the other extreme doing nothing. So with regards to balance, what you're saying I do think there is a lot to do with it because these people have falsely accepted that, okay, since there is an akhirah, since there is a hereafter, this dunya doesn't matter. But what they fail to realize is Allah didn't just give you the akhirah. Allah gave mm-hmm. you this dunya first and it's a test and you're failing these tests now looking your best. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, through his example, we learned that as a Muslim, we need to be balanced in everything. Our temperament needs to be calm yet aggressive, but knowing when to do so. We got to 100% balance the dunya and the akhirah. Obviously, Akira is the, the end of be our goal. It's the means, it's the end to the means. Do you get what I mean? But we need to balance both. Um, in terms of like our desires, we need to limit our desires in a lot of things, like when it comes to eating, when it comes to sinning, when it comes to desires. But then we need to go in on other desires, like our desire to procreate and have as many kids as we can permissively. Um, things like that. So I feel like balance is key. And most men and women today lack that. So when I go to the masjid and I see imams, they, they know a lot of, you know, different verses. They're, they're, they memorize everything. They know exactly what they're talking about in terms of the sunnah and the hadith and the Quran. Yeah. In regards to how they look, how they want to be, you know, respected, what they know about, you know, postmodern times and like how they can integrate that into, into the deen, they kind of lack that. And that's why you see all those people commenting down below, like, these are topics that imams won't talk about. And it's not that no shade at these imams or anything like that. It's just that they're from different times. 
And what you see today is most kids are from our times too much, too extreme. So they'll be too postmodern. They'll be too like, oh, let's forget about Islam. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Most people aren't like us and the viewers here, inshallah, that are trying to like integrate the two, still trying to be a good Muslim Salafi man or woman living in today's postmodern time. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, bro. I honestly, I think even the way you described it is still social conditioning, especially the part where it's like, oh, uh, you know, my, my wife, you know, she loves me for who I am. And that's social conditioning. Because why are you getting in shape for her to begin with, right? That's social conditioning. So <laughs> wait, say that one more time. You're right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's social conditioning to say, oh, I want to look good for my wife. Oh, she loves me the way I am. Therefore, I'm fine. You don't, you, why do you need to look good for her? It's, it's for you. Allah gave you a body. You take care of it for Allah. For the sake no, of Allah. With the, with, you're right, bro. Because like they'll, they'll, they'll put this thinly veiled excuse of, oh, the Quran says my wife owes me sex. Like she has to do it. Yeah, it says that. But bro, are you a man that she wants to do it with? Too? Because it also says you can't force her. And how are you going to want yeah. her to be desired and attracted to you if you're not worth someone yeah. populating with? Yeah, and exactly. And uh, there's this one Sahaba, the name slips my mind now, but there's one Sahaba that used to always comb his hair and make sure he's proper before entering the home mm-hmm. because he wanted his wife, you know, obviously to be attracted to him. And it's not that he was ugly or anything, but he just took the extra step. And cleanliness, I know it's a separate topic, but it's similar. Cleanliness in Islam is, is like half of Iman. It's, it's a big part of, of faith to be clean, be to, to have that proper hygiene and taking care of yourself as well. Allah gave you, he entrusted you with this body and you're not taking care of it. And the reason, your reason for not taking care of the body Allah gave you is because of somebody else. What? Because your sense, wife man. loves no, your No, that fat? makes sense because, because the, the key to Jannah is Salah. And the key to Salah is purification and cleanliness. So it all ties back yeah. to what Rami's saying, guys. I don't know, you yeah, had something to say? Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think it's just social conditioning. Like, I'm sorry, but when I was getting super spiritual before Islam, like, I, I just stopped caring about how I looked. And I let myself go big time. Like, I'm talking about, like, I went from being this stacked individual, like, bro, mashallah, diesel. If I look back at pictures of myself, I'm like, wow, like, I, I can't believe I actually look like that. But as I went from that to looking like a hobo. Bro, like fresh off the dump, like fresh out of the street, bro. Where people would look at me and be like, "Who is this guy?" And like, I would just always say that like, right, it doesn't matter. Like, you shouldn't judge me on my physical appearance, because like, at the end, like this is just a sack of meat. This is just a body. Like, I am the spirit. I, I am the ruh. You know, I didn't know about the ruh. I just knew about the spirit back then. So it's like again, I don't think it's just social conditioning. I think is also a mental thing where it's like once you do start learning more not even learning more but just like being woke to the truth once you start being more woke to the truth you kind of have this like mental paradigm shift where it's like ah well what does it really matter what i look like but then again like we Mm, said we should take care of ourselves because this body is a gift this body is uh, almost like a loan. Like you say that all the time, that our bodies are loaned to us. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you guys are talking about the cleanliness and you're saying that the Salat is the uh, the way to Jannah, bro, like, think about all the people who get to the point where they can't really, they can't use their body that well. They got a broke hip or like their knee don't work or something like that. It's like, bro, 
you don't see them performing salat they, the way they did when they were younger. You see them on a chair doing yeah. like some variation of it. So it's like, again, not saying that their prayers aren't accepted because I'm not the one to judge, but it's like, you could prevent that if you take care of your health and your body. Yeah, that is mm-hmm. true. 100%. And the Prophet always said, bro, uh, before you go on, that you know, when you when you look at these people that are just out of shape to the point where they can't they can't even perform salah, that's why the Prophet never ate to the point of being full. He always ate to the point where he nourished and recharged and rejuvenated his himself in terms of energy, but then he never overate, he never indulged. And that's amazing. That's profound because then you have energy to go pray. You see what I mean? And you're not going to be out here, you know, feeling heavy. This whole density thing just stems from that, bro. And I think you are right in terms of the mental thing that you brought up, that aspect, because it is when you get too into the akhira and too into things that matter, you forget this dunya. You forget, oh, damn. Like I've seen people that are like, they're imams or sheikhs and they're proper, but it's like, damn, bro, two, three days, they haven't showered. Or like they don't, they, yeah, yeah. These people also don't care about Instagram followers and and looking good and all this because they're focused on the goal. But you gotta also realize this balance between, yeah, that prize is important, which is Allah and the Akhirah, but you still live in the dunya where most people, sorry to say, are not at that level. And how are you gonna relate to them and be integrated into the society? If you want someone that is respected by the means that they have. Yeah, I'm not saying be a cloud chaser and position yourself to be respected by these people and be liked and put that over Allah. But what I am saying is, why not have both? There's a fine line between sacrificing the dunya or sacrificing the akhirah for the dunya. But you could definitely do your best to have the akhirah, but also position yourself in a place where people look up to you because your physicality does have a lot to do. I know people say we don't judge, we don't shame over we here, do. but bro. Whether you like to admit it or not, we judge. We subconsciously judge. These snap judgments happen every single day. Every damn minute we see a new person. And the first thing that your body says about you is, damn, bro, this guy's committed. This guy's he respects himself. He has integrity. He has discipline. Because you can't just get a body like that just not having those. And when I look at someone that's fat or out of shape, I don't, I don't look at them and I'm like, damn, bro, like I have, you know, I despise them or anything. No, I have pity. I feel bad because at the end of the day, I look at them and I'm like, that's a reflection of their insecurities, unresolved problems they have in their head, deep, dark trauma. Mm-hmm. That's, that shows lack of self-esteem, lack of discipline, lack of just being a man or woman of your word, lack of self-control. Like, if you're a little overweight, it's fine. But I'm talking about the people that are so far gone. Like, you wonder, like, how they got there. But even that in and of itself is judgment. It's just a higher level of consciousness form of judgment because mm-hmm. back then when we were ignorant when we were giants we would look at an overweight person and be like look at this pig look at look at this muck and if, if y'all know about pokemon then y'all know the re- y'all, y'all will know the reference there but like yeah. we used Yo, to how you judge spell muck? how you spell muck let's see if you're a true pokemans m-u-k this man knows bro Bro, you can't you can't do me on Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! Those are my things. But um, real talk, like that's how we would judge. You know, and like you ask a little kid, like that's how a kid judge. A kid will look at a fat person and be like, oh, look at this fat person. They'll literally like blatantly just say, like, oh, look at this, look at this fat person, like, why are you fat or something like that? And they'll laugh about it. But that's like that's just 
that's coming from a state of like uh innocence like they don't know any better but like as you start growing um you become a teenager you start learning more then it's like you you get into this state where you're super judgmental because now your 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 mind has fully developed your uh not your mind but your brain has fully developed to the point where now your your mind is more dominant that's why we mm-hmm. perceive things differently and that's why we uh actually start to form a sense of ourselves even more and that's why people start saying like oh i have anxiety i have depression on myself because now their mind is developed to the point where they can have these issues versus when they were a kid they didn't really have these issues but mm-hmm. to get back on track here it's like as you keep progressing as you keep waking up more and more and you get to the point where it's like all right well now you know more of the truth you still judge like there's not there's not a person here who doesn't judge and like there's brother, there's people who are like super spiritual and they say, oh, well, I don't judge anyone. Like, bro, that's a damn lie. Yeah. That's a damn lie. Uh, I feel like the topic of judgment is, is a really funny one nowadays because every every time like you you judge somebody negatively, you're judging them, right? But people don't understand. Like, okay, like if me as an individual, I go and I see a fat person, I say, damn, they're fat. That's ugly. I've I've judged them and everyone will will agree and concede to the fact that I just judged that person. But if I see a built guy and I say, wow, that's amazing. I'm still judging. It's just not negatively. You can still judge positively, right? You're still judging at the end of the day. So if you were to say, don't judge anyone, then you can't really compliment anybody either because now you're judging them, their work, who they are and praising them as a result of your intrinsic internal judgment on them. So the whole don't judge me thing is kind of just don't ever comment on me ever, right? That's not very beneficial Mm -hmm. because as humans, we, we like compliments. So it's basically just, uh, if there's anything negative about myself, I don't want to hear it. And that's a very self-defeating mindset because it's, it's like, if you don't know you have a problem, you can't fix it, right? Which is, as we always mm-hmm. say, the biggest problem a person can have. So the whole don't judge me thing, no matter what you're talking about is, I feel like it's always been a silly concept. Ando, yeah. man. And shout out to Ibn Murad, the time traveler, for always going through these videos, adding in these time steps. Because, bro, this brother's out here just going through this, like, damn, is this going to be a clip for the highlights for the, to roast them? Is this going to be a clip for the timestamp? Like, you got, you, he's not just watching it like y'all. He's out here, like, on cognition like y'all, but he's on metacognition with the highlights. He's on meta metacognition with, like, okay, could this be a timestamp? Could this not? He's on something like, damn, should I, like, look out for this? Should I not? So, he's doing the most, man. So, shout out to you. Have Blessing. y'all ever seen The the Hangover? No. Mm-hmm. You have, you remember Alan? Yeah. When they were going into the casino and, like, mm-hmm. he... He just had like all these numbers like floating around in his head. Mm-hmm. That's how the there was, was his name Ibn Ibn Imam Murah. Yeah, Ibn <laughs> Murah. That's probably what he got going on in his head when he's watching that video. I mean, bro, let's be honest now. Come on, we don't we won't know how he looks. That's true, bro. He's he got the exactly how he looks. Avatar. Yeah, bro. He has a he has a Peter Griffin avatar. Peter Griffin. <laughs> Uh, man, got the uh, the the nutsack chin. The nutsack chin. Yo, you should tell him. You should tell him to uh, update his DP, and like make it to where it's the uh, Peter Griffin with the beard. Yeah, because he already has the hat on. The hat on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen it. I've actually seen it. So he should update that. Mm-hmm. Make it halal. <laughs> 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 Inshallah. All right. Gentlemen, Inshallah. That's all from Y'all, me. let's end it here.
All right. Remember, guys, just a brief recap. Get your fasts in before Ramadan, during Ramadan, and after Ramadan. May Allah bless you all. With that being said, thank you for tuning in. Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.